I'm the girl behind the computer. Mm-hmm. I'm the one behind the mood boards. I'm behind the things that you wear. Like, it, there's so much more than just that girl at the easel. Today, I am elated to have the Puerto Rican powerhouse behind Covo, Diana Nunez, with me to talk about all of her artistic flavor and everything that she does. But before we start, I just have to tell you that although we just met like a few moments ago, I feel like I already know you yep, just because right. I like stalked you on Instagram for weeks and I'm just also a fan. But outside of that, you have an amazing spirit. And I'm sure that everyone that works with you feels the same. So again, just thank you for being so warm and happy and vibrant. What a what a way to welcome me. Thank you so much for that. I am happy to be here and I appreciate that. Yes. Diana, tell us more about Koval. Okay. Um, so Koval is essentially like an acronym of what I hope as an artist to bring to the table. Mm. So Koval means four things. Craft, onward, versatility, and lifestyle. Craft onward, versatility, and lifestyle. And I feel like you just effortlessly embody all Thank those. Thank you. I'm trying. It's no, been... you're doing. They're definitely. I'm doing. Yes. I'm doing. You're I will doing. take all, all the abundance of compliments. I'm I'm doing it. Yes, doing yes, it. you are. Like Thank in you. a multidisciplinary way. Like, okay. Your hyphenates are infinite. <laughs> and before we really get into what your day-to-day looks like, your first hyphen. Like when did you discover your first hyphen and what was that? It's always been like a knack for storytelling. Mm-hmm. I was in the fashion world for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had a really um, a person in my life at that time to say that, hey, I don't think you're utilizing your talents to the best ability. Okay. That was my first hyphen. I was like, okay, so I want to take storytelling, but I want to present it in a different format that isn't fashion. Mm-hmm. And then I got my introdu- introduction into art. Okay. Have you always been an artist? Like when you were a kid, were you finger painting, drawing, just throwing paint all over everything? Like what, how did you really (laughs) land on being a visual artist first? As a child, I've always been rambunctious. Mm-hmm. My, so I think, cool. I you know, <laughs> I think my parents always knew they, they had their work cut out for them. Um, but yes, I was a very creative child. I was that kid that when she made like an eight count, she wanted to perform it in front of her parents. Yeah. Um, any talent show, I would take, you know, take care of that. Um, I was in design, um, yearbook design class. I was mm-hmm. in pre- TV production class. I was always that kid, that annoying kid that wanted to say something without really having to say much. That's that girl energy yeah. to me. You've been that girl. Exactly. Still that girl. I'm glad you know. Ever be that girl. Yes. <laughs> and that's on Meg the Stallion, okay? Okay. You are that girl, for sure, for sure. So take me to the beginning of your journey. Like mm-hmm. in adulthood when you said, okay, I need to take all this creativity, package it, and make money. What were you doing? Where were you? Like tell us that story. Whew. You're taking me back. Take us back. Take us <laughs> way back. We want to know. I was working at a creative agency at the time. Mm-hmm. I was, I think, I, I know I was handling like five social accounts at that time. And being that the creative agency was still up and coming, I wore many hats in that role. Mm-hmm. So not only was I doing like the social coordinating, but I was doing the content, the content planning, all these things. And 
I continued to feel stifled. Like every job that I had, I hit this wall. Wow. And a lot of times I would have conversations with my managers or my bosses to be like, listen, I'm experiencing this. Can you give me something else? Or can you give me more responsibility? Because I just feel like creatively I'm hitting this little jolt. Right. And that sounds very communicative. So that's good. And I tried. And it wasn't always well received, you know? (laughs) I think that's the last thing your boss wants to hear is that you're not happy with what you're doing. Right. Um, But I figured... If this is the company culture, I should have a I should have the space to say, listen, I don't feel like I'm being challenged enough, or I want more responsibility. Can you give that to me? No, I think that's necessary. right. It's yes, very necessary. It uh, so I was doing that for a while, but again, I kept getting stifled and hitting this wall and not really understanding why was it that I was having such struggle with this nine to five. Mm-hmm. And then I just decided to willy nilly and just leave. She popped out. I quit. You quit. I, I quit. Okay, talk to us about how you quit. Because on Select Conversations, we we talk about a lot of different routes to and through career and messing up and knowing when to leave. That seems to be a constant conversation. Mm-hmm. And our audience, what I know, look, I know y'all. I know what y'all <laughs> want to hear and I know what y'all want to know, okay? So when you quit, how did you do it? <laughs> well, I did it the right way, right? Okay. Two weeks is also, there really a right way to quit? Because I mean, somebody's going to be mad. <laughs> oh, everyone's going to be mad. <laughs> right. Like, especially if you're such a viable player in mm-hmm. the team, which mm-hmm. at that time I would like to say that I was. We can assume, and I'm sure we're assuming correctly, that you were the MVP. For sure. I, I, I definitely, like we said earlier, we're doing our best, mm-hmm. you know, and I think in that role I did my best. Five accounts, five different kind of clients. That's just a lot. creating five different types of style of content. That's a lot of brain work. Yeah. I did it the proper way. Okay. I gave my two weeks. But what I didn't do was I had no kind of plan. I just I just couldn't do it anymore. Like in my spirit and my heart, I was so exhausted that I had to do something about it. And yes, it was an emotional decision by mm-hmm. leaving so abruptly, but I still don't regret that decision leaving the way that I did. And the reason why I didn't do it the proper way is because I didn't save money. Mm. I just I got so in my feels and I said I'm not doing this anymore I put my two weeks and then I just hit the ground running and you didn't have a choice because you didn't have any money yeah no one was paying me every two weeks so I had to figure it out so if that was or if you could change it or critique yourself that would be the one item that you would have changed 1000 percent. okay and I always have a lot of people ask me what should I do before I decide to go full-time freelance and I have to say you have to save money. You have to have some kind of game plan. Because what happens if you don't have this game plan, you're going to be working just to meet that rent or just to meet whatever bills you have. That takes away from the creativity and the reason why you wanted to go freelance in the beginning. So having some kind of like financial cushion or a six-month saving, I definitely recommend that because I did not do that. (laughs) That's a key component of a solid quitting plan. I love that. I love that. And I'm sure that our audience is going to pick up exactly what you put down, put it to use, and they're going to be out here quitting. I hope so. Like, save save your (laughs) coins. coins. Save all your monies. If you want to leave, save all your money. That's the best thing you can do for for your creativity's sake. For sure, for sure, for sure. Because when it comes down to being creative, you don't want to ever be stifled or worry about a lot of things. Right. Because that may derail your process and then you're, oh, yeah. you're off your passion and then you're also broke. And who wants to be that or do that? It's so, really tough. It's really tough yeah. to be, once you hit that rock bottom, it's, it's hard to 
get your way back out there. So I, I definitely think having some kind of like plan in place is the best way to go. For sure. No, that sounds very solid and very needed and necessary. Were there any other jobs that you had along your career path that weren't necessarily to the naked eye pertaining to what you do now that actually helped you in a different way or yeah. helped you build character or transferable skills? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I wore many hats. Mm. I was a um, assistant for a teacher once at a okay. daycare. That taught me patience. Got it. Right? Um, and then having, like, any kind of retail job showed me discipline, showed me that I had to, you know, be there at a certain time, fulfill my roles. There were people uh, counting on me. So it showed me kind of, like, accountability, teamwork. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I also like to – um, encourage people that if they do have their nine to five to have that there's no shame in having a nine to five and also having your your five to nine after you're you're right you know you need Say something it. to sustain you while you get your things in order and so people have this negative connotation that having a nine to five is not the way to go when in reality it teaches you self-discipline it teaches you accountability it teaches you how to be on time right which is something that goes out the window once you become a freelancer <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things that I learned that I feel like is very conducive for people that want to eventually go from nine to five to freelance. Right. All right. That's amazing. Yeah. So if there was a short list or a little checklist, because we know that you know how to plan now, because you, <laughs> yes. you say, OK, I didn't do this, but this is what you should do. So it seems like you have mastered the art of planning style when it comes down to pivoting. Mm -hmm. So if there was a short list of things that you would call out or suggest to creatives that they should have in place outside of financials prior to freelancing or quitting their job, what would they be? Hmm. Well, definitely study. Okay. Study a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I did not. I, I did not go to school for art, but YouTube was my university. You know, yeah. uh, and just reading, just educating ourselves in our craft, I think, is one of the major important things about Absolutely. the freelance world. Because when you think about how saturated the market can be and how that can look like, you want to be a big player in that pool. And by understanding your story and understanding your craft more and how to really manipulate or create something out of nothing, I think it's very important. That would be my financial and then studying your craft is like my top two. I love that. I love that because I believe regardless of what type of artist you are, whether you're making music or you're making visuals or doing art installations, mm -hmm. designing clothes, like all of these things that she actually does. <laughs> <laughs> and like no coincidence there. You really have to understand that there are other components to it rather than just what meets the eye. Mm -hmm. And I think where I'm going with this next question is, I'm sure that there are other careers or other jobs that come along with that. Yeah. So what, like, could you take us through that? Like, what is... Yeah, so to your point, a lot of people look at an artist and they immediately think that they're a person that sits behind the easel. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times this person is storyboarding. This person is trying to understand how to communicate the objective of a project and translate that within this visual component to then birth this final product. Right. So yeah, they're wearing their painter hat, but they're also wearing their art director hat. They're wearing their creative director their hat. Mm -hmm. They're wearing their design intern hat. They're wearing mm -hmm. a lot of these hats just to achieve the final thing. But I think people just look at artists and they see one thing when really 
and why I coined myself as multidisciplinary is because I'm not just the person behind the easel. I'm the girl behind the computer. Mm -hmm. I'm the one behind the mood boards. I'm behind the things that you wear. Like, there's so much more than just that girl at the easel. Got you. Take us through your favorite project. How did you organize it? What titles or job titles did you have on staff? How many hats did you wear? What were you doing? Oh, my gosh. Tell us go through my archives. No, because you, again, are that girl. There's so many. (laughs) Okay. No, I'm so serious. (laughs) So serious. So serious. Um, Or or you can do favorite or most recent. Just take us. Okay. Mm -hmm. So my most recent, I would say, is the the basketball court that I just launched with Nike for Puerto Rico Day Parade. Um, This basketball court objective was to celebrate the history of Puerto Ricanos in Orchard Beach and how they basically run that beach. Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to do was fabricate a basketball court to give back to the community. And we started that project, I want to say, back in February. I could be wrong. But that lasted from February until July. We were working on that. And there was a lot of moving parts. Like, I traveled to Puerto Rico to understand my land better, to really ensure that whatever visual story piece I was conveying onto the court, it was an exact representation of their heart, mind, and spirit of the current place that they're in. And so I did, I did researching at that time. And then I did storyboarding. I conceptualized, and then we had to submit to the city. Mm -hmm. The city came back with feedback, you know, so there was a round of revisions to do. And then from there, it was actually painting the court I had an incredible team called Project Backboard. Um, They were the same team that painted my first court in Miami. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a group of seven men. And I got to paint out of the four days that we had to do the production. I painted like two of those days. So it was like painter, artist, researcher, boss, many hats. Yes, yes. (laughs) So when you paint on your court community projects, how long are you painting? So you said you painted for four days. The team did, yeah. Oh, the, so the team painted for four days. Mm-hmm. How long did you paint per day? So the team would, sometimes the team would hit me up at like 7 in the morning saying, hey, we just got on site. And they would sometimes finish around 6 or 7. Mm-hmm. I was in the midst of another project during that time. So I probably got there around like 8. And then I would leave in around 1 or 2 because I then had to jump into my next project. But... Those are some long hours in the sun. Your back is shot. Your whole body just put it in ice. Oh, my gosh. That sounds very athletic, actually. Very. (laughs) So I was also an athlete. Just kidding. Right. No, seriously, you are. And you're helping young athletes be them, so you're also a coach. (laughs) Look, so many hyphens. So many hyphens. So many levels. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So if you had to pick one or if you ever did a project or completed a project, whether it's fashion or anything, Mm -hmm. and you had to pick one hat, what would it be? Ah, that's tough. Because it seems like, just based on what you told me, that from a child you've always done so many things. Yes. So I'm sure just picking one hat would just not even... No, it doesn't doesn't even, like, fall in line with my brand. Right. Like, (laughs) to, to stick to one thing has always been the last thing I wanted to do. Um, and I think when you think about that in a brand, brand or like corporate perspective, that's really hard to like hone in onto, right? Like it's like, oh, we love her style, but really, how can we fit her into our 
corporation or into our brand. But that's the beauty of me being able to do many things. Like, I'm not just an illustrator. I can also design a capsule. I can, you know, design this or art direct something. There's just, I'd rather keep it like that where I can be more hands-on than you just giving me one title. Exactly. I love that. And that was a bit of a trick question because I knew that that was off (laughs) brand for you. But I just wanted the audience to hear and understand that it's okay to do many things. You just have to make sure that they relate in a way that can create a mosaic rather than just be so many different disconjointed things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it definitely has to all speak into what you're all about as an artist or your craft. If there's synergies in it definitely follow that. There's nothing wrong with doing many things at once. I'd love to be that person. For sure. And it seems like you put your heart, soul, mind, and just all of your focus in everything you do. And it really just shines. Even the way that you have this fit on. It's like, look, this is who you are. Like, you wear that on you and on your sleeve. And there's a quote of yours that I just stand, (laughs) quite frankly. You said, creating for yourself should always be first Mm -hmm. before anything else Mm -hmm. and talk to us about what that actually means and how you apply it to yourself and how you let your work flow through you so that that was an ultimate promise that I made Mm, so it's a mantra and a promise it's a promise I love that everything that I have done so far are examples of things that I've done just because I wanted to do them I love that there is this one illustration there was a sketch that I had a really rough sketch, and an artist or the artist's direct, uh, creative director saw it and was like, oh, we want to do an iteration of that. And it was a rough sketch. And I posted on Instagram because it's like, I want to create things that I want to see more of in the world. Right. And so when a brand sees that, they're like, oh, well, well we want that. Well, it's like, cool. You understood my message. You right. understood that this is what I'm here for and, and what I want to do, and you want a piece of that. Now we can like work together at a caliber where it's so much more massive and explosive for, for the audience. That is amazing. And I know that working with brands sometimes, you know, you hear the great stories and the not so great stories. Sometimes mm-hmm. brands and larger corporate entities come off as a little colonizing when it comes down to them wanting to align with an artist or use their intellectual property. Yeah. How do you draw that line? Mm-hmm. And how do you know a brand partnership or a corporate par- partnership or sponsorship is for you or not? Well, we ask questions. Okay. And I think I've probably iterated this so many times, but it's a thing that is so important is to understand what that client is hiring you for. Right. If the client's coming to me and they're like, we want Koval to create a series of illustrations and they send me a mood board and it has no hints of my style, then they're hiring me for my skill set, not for Koval. Right. So I think what me and my manager love to do when we have the opportunity is just to be like, are, is this like a brand collaboration where it's like artist and brand collaboration or are you just looking for an illustrator skill set type deal? And that helps me kind of navigate whether I want to take the project or not, because while, yes, I can emulate any style, I'm here to do one job, and that's to, to be me and to, and to show that forward and to carry my legacy. And so if those projects don't align with that, then I have become very keen to say no. As she a- said what she said. She said no. <laughs> if it doesn't align, just say no. And that is fine. And you must pivot. <laughs> and you must. Pivot onward at that. (laughs) Yes. So culture is so important when looking to be successful and knowing who you are. And again, she said what she said. She said no, it doesn't align. She knows who she is. So being a woman with a Puerto Rican background is something to me that I feel is so, so special. 
And I know a lot of outside entities find it unique. Can that ever be tiring for you? Because I know just as a woman of color, sometimes anytime someone wants to shake it up or be more diverse, they're like, okay, let's find a woman of color. Right. And it's like, okay, do you want me just because I check a box or three or ten? Mm -hmm. Or do you want me because of who I am? So how do you navigate like being authentic and then also just aligning with people that you know really want you for you? I just feel like at the end of the day, it's my responsibility to take up that space. Come on now. Talk you know? about it. Go go if, there. Go there. Please, and, and go I've, there. And I've done a lot of projects where I'm the only woman in mm-hmm. it. And the amount of energy that I have to export just to take up that much space. Right. But I think coming into the space of doing art, that is the sense of my responsibility. Yes. If I'm going to be an artist, there is a story to tell here, a point of view. Um, there is a legacy here to defend. There is me who I need to like show up all the time. And there's a lot of people that I've had conversations with online where they felt they couldn't do that until they saw an example of that. So then I'm also an example to people that, oh, they see me, then I, they can do it too. So there's like a, a lot of responsibility and I don't shy away from that. I just have to show up. And if the client says, oh, we love Kovac because XYZ, then you're going to get that times 10. In full. Yes. I love it. I love it so much. I admire you I really and your spirit is so much. You have here. such, we are definitely here. You <laughs> have so many things that you've done. You have such a big voice. How did you find your voice? Just for all those aspiring artists out there, the next generation of multidisciplinaries, how would you help them or inspire them to just kind of stick their chest out, Mm. have their head held high, understand the assignment, Mm -hmm. when to say no, and just be a version of you, so to speak? Because I don't even think that's bad. No, I... and. That journey took a long time Mm -hmm. to get there. I think people see me and they think it's overnight. Uh, People probably assume that this has always been something that I was geared for. But in reality, it took me a very long time to get here. Mm -hmm. To even understand what Koval is to me, let alone to clients, it's like I had to understand that first. I had to take that very deep, winding self-journey to really understand what did I want to heal from? What did I want to bring into the world? What is my story? Why is it so different? Study my craft. Um, I feel like all of those things really attribute to who you are at the end of the day. What really separates you from any artist is really your journey and your story. And I can't sit here and say, this is the recipe. Because this recipe that works so well for me is going to look so different from somebody else. But I think if you take the time to study your craft... Study yourself. Yes. Really get into that inner deep work. You gotta work. go there. Do that. You <laughs> have to work. go there because art is not, art is not. It's not one of those things that you can just. Oh, I'm just gonna go do it. You have to really stay rooted in that, and really spend that time to get to know oneself, and that can look spiritual. That can look many ways, but if you take that time to study yourself and your craft, then I feel as if anything after that is just a perk. Right. And money is a is a cute perk. It's a really cute perk. It's a really cute perk. But it should come when it's aligned. That money hits so much more different when it's so aligned with you mm. versus being taking that money out of, you know, being desperate or taking that money because you don't know when your next check is going to come. That money looks different and it hits a little different. That's but true. when you're aligned and then that bag comes around and you're like, oh, so all I got to do is do me? I get paid to do me. Right. That's such a big blessing. Yeah. It really is. So how would one go about 
monetizing visual art. Hmm. How do you do that? I know that's a thing. I see, yeah. I go to galleries all the time. I see the blue dots, the green dots, the mm -hmm. red dots. I know that means somebody bought something hanging on a wall for like 12000 But yeah. how do you come up with a price? Hmm. And I'm sure just with any other career path, when you go through it, you have to, I won't say be modest because never that. We're right. never shrinking, you know. No. But you have to be realistic, I'd right. say, about yes. your pricing based on how long you've been doing something and then mm -hmm. what you feel it's worth, the hours you put into it. You know, that's how I would kind of look at it. But right. just from your perspective and your d literal daily life, <laughs> how do you put a price on what you do? You know... I talk all this talk, but really that's something I still struggle with to understand, like, how do you really put that exact value on your piece of work? That's real. But what has helped compartmentalize that a little bit is that there are different tiers of prices, right? Mm -hmm. So if you get hit with a job where they want to license your work, that's a fee. Okay. To create the work, that's a fee. Um, revisions. That's a fee. That's interesting. You know? I'm so, learning right now. Yeah, I'm so there's there's a lot of tiers of ways to make your value. Right. You know? Um, and that's something that takes um, having conversations with someone on your team. Like, having my manager has allowed me to really open my eyes to value. And she sees me from a very first point of view of how much work I put in. So she understands my value and isn't able to like break that down to tiers as well. Right. So there's like that tier route mm -hmm. and then there's that putting time in route. And that, that might, that dollar amount looks really different for a lot of people. The price is higher. She's saying, <laughs> no, <laughs> or maybe, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so your company is so many things because it is you and you mm -hmm. are so many things. So how did you know that it was time to add another department? Because I know you have many. How many departments do you have in I don't in know. or at Koval? You don't know? Well, Koval is... That like, wouldn't surprise me, by the way, if you really said I did not. I was like, girl, <laughs> well, I'm like, not surprised. Like, Koval, like if, if I was to package it up, Koval's me, mm -hmm. right? So it's like brand partnerships, art installations, art direction. Okay. It goes down like all that design route. But then when you think of Made by Koval... My other brand, okay. that that's going to be like apparel, home goods, one of ones. Um, and the reason why I wanted to do that is because I wanted to find another cool way to communicate with my audience. And my love for fashion, that's my background. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to create and design things. So I figured what other kind of cool way to like segue from art by creating art-based goods for the people that really support me. That's so progressive and forward thinking. Truly. I try. Yeah. Well, you know, I was talking to my parents and my in my like ancestry and like my family history, my grandfather owned two retail stores in Ponce for 50 years. Wow. Yeah, and then my two aunts they owned hair salons in here in New York and also in Puerto Rico as well for many years. So, entrepreneurship is kind of like it's embedded in my blood and I did yeah. not know that until I started really exploring Made by Colville. You have successfully owned and operated Colville for a myriad of years, and you've been able to leverage yourself as an artist, but then also bring it on home as a successful and profitable business. Mm -hmm. So how do you manage that financially or just systematically, operationally even? How do you separate you or Made by Colville and then just Colville, and then you as you, yeah. as a public figure. How do you organize that, and how do you manage all that? 
So I have everything, thank God, finally organized with, mm-hmm. like, all my banks. Uh, Colvo is its own bank account. I have a savings uh, associated with that. Mm-hmm. And then Made by Colvo has its own bank account. Um, no savings as of yet. But then as far as me goes, I have my personal savings, um, my regular checking. But then I also have, like, a digit, which is, like, on the side to, like, save additional money. Got you. Um, I just recently started, like, paying myself out. So that's been easier to, like, organize and keep I don't want to use my business money for personal things. Right. I'd rather use my personal money for my personal things. But no commingling, okay? Yeah. Look, she's not doing that. I am trying to keep it organized. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and then in terms of staffing, are there people or key players that work on both companies that work with you in multiple ways or... Do you kind of keep your staff separated, or how do you manage your staff? Yeah, so fun fact, it's just myself and my manager. What? Yeah. Ex- yeah. Legit, that's it. I'm, I'm like, the creative, and she's, like, my brain. And so she handles, like, all the negotiations, the contracts, the payouts. I just show up and do the work. You two kick ass. Yeah. Just two of you? Just Yes, just us two. And then I'm guessing you hire other teams or vendors like on a contracting basis when they have to come in and paint? Girl, <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm surprised right now. So I'm like, let me close my mouth. I think, I think but, a lot of people think I have like this whole team and it's just my manager and I. Y'all make it look so good. Thank you. Yes. Thank Women you. for the win. That's it. Like... <laughs> Please. We, we've been working together now for, I want to say, like, four years now. And she she's going to be, like, a major role in Made by Koval. So she'll be, like, handling Made by Koval more on, like, the admin standpoint. And I'll just be, like, the creative director of it. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. So do you take on interns of any type? Is it just not time? Do you it's, want them? It, it's about time. Her and okay. I were actually having this conversation recently, and there's just so so many ideas that are in my mind right now that I don't have the proper time and space to like incubate them. Got you. And I believe that's so important so for artists important. is that we have all these ideas, but we're so busy with like brand partnerships or um, content creation with the way that social media is. You got to be content creating every day now, right. you know, be the content. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. And all, while all that is going on, I have like my personal things going on. So all these ideas just marinate. Right. And the more they marinate, the crazier it drives me because it's like, I could be moving even faster if I had someone on my on my side to help me with that. Got you. So your ideal candidate for mm-hmm. an intern, what would they possess skill set wise? <laughs> I was talking to someone about this and basically they need to be like a mini me. Oh. Like someone that's not afraid okay. to do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want someone that's going to be like, oh, I don't know how to do it, so I'm not going to do it. It's I'd rather have the attitude of like, I don't know how to do it, but let me go figure it out. Can do attitude, no kill yeah. attitude, solution oriented. Yes, that's it. Like yeah. everything is possible. Pro- creativity is problem solving. Mm. I love that's another bar that I'm going to keep in my head. Creativity is problem solving. It's that, my favorite. That you Are you sure you're not a rapper? Are you sure? Because, I mean, maybe it's the bars for me. You got bars. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely got bars. So when you, okay, so we talked about art direction, muraling, community projects. Again, the the list will go on and on and on and on. (laughs) Is there a limit on how many types of jobs that you take or projects that you take? I was 
thinking about this recently Mm -hmm. because a part of me felt like a part of me was having a conversation with myself and I was asking myself, do you, do you ever get tired? Do you ever get tired of just trying to do it all? But no, 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 (laughs) I want to, I, I want to, I want to do everything that I can in this lifetime. I only get it one time. So I might as well just give myself that ability to just do it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it does, great. I'll keep doing it. Right. No, it's always better when your work is your passion, like what you're able to do every day for money or just because you enjoy it is something that mm-hmm. is in your daily bread. Like that's that's amazing. That's definitely amazing. If we were to go into your art toolkit, what would we find? <laughs> a lighter, <laughs> um, uh, paintbrushes, a scroll saw. What's that? A scroll saw is how you cut wood. Okay. I got into woodworking recently. So I have like a scroll saw in the back. I have a working bench and I've been like cutting out some shapes because I want to fabricate stuff. So I have a scroll saw, um, a rug tufting frame because I make rugs. Okay. Um, some scissors and a towel just in case if I get my hands dirty, which I do all the time. With a lot of paint. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> I'm sure that when I look at this episode, I'm going to be like, Rachel, close your mouth. Because <laughs> like, it's like, I've just been so impressed. I'm just everywhere. No, you're everywhere you're supposed to be. You're like glitter. <laughs> Thank it's like you. When, when, when I throw you, you're literally everywhere. And That's you how I feel. I no, feel you, like you are. You are. You Thank are you. glitter. And it's like, side note, fun fact. When I was a kid, people used to ask me my favorite color. I was like, glitter. And just like run off. Can we normalize that? Like, I think we should. Glitter, glitter is, a, is color. a color. Okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> glitter is a color. <laughs> so doing a lot, I'm sure, can be physically taxing, mentally taxing at times, especially when you're just giving a lot of yourself. Mm-hmm. And what would you say is your break from that? How do you refuel and retool yourself in the midst of having to just give out so much of your your mind your body and soul Mm -hmm. one of the practices that I've inhabited is turning my phone on do not disturb Mm. I did a lot um very few people can get through but that's all I need to like know you know right having that boundary has really helped a lot and I usually like to carve out the mornings for myself. I've been trying to get back. I used to get up around like 6 o'clock in the morning. And then I would make my coffee. I would meditate, journal. And then by like 9 or 10, I'm hitting the emails. Okay. But at least I had that morning to really like check in with myself. Right. See what I need to get done before the day Mm -hmm. gets crazy. Those little things have really helped me take those breaks. I try to sleep in, but my body is now conditioned to just go. So what's your automatic, like, biological clock time? Seven. Seven a.m. every day? Yeah. No matter what? No matter what. I just, like, I'm up. And then I just lay there, and I'm like, okay. And then I go through my to-do list, and then mm-hmm. I try to get a, a head start on my day. Mm. Do you work on the weekends a lot? That's the thing nobody likes to talk about, but mm-hmm. being uh, an artist or being a freelancer, you're working 99% of the time. And so that's why having these breaks are so crucial and having those boundaries. Right, and doing what you love as well. Because if it's 
just monotonous and not really filling you up, who would want right. to do it? Right. You've worked with countless brands throughout your career. Nike being one of them. Can you name like some other ones? Because I want I want y'all to hear her pop her shit. I want y'all to hear her. <laughs> um, Billionaire Girls Club, uh, Crown Royal, um, Red Bull, Eva NYC, Chill House. And now I'm drawing blanks. It's okay. <laughs> y'all can Google it because <laughs> the list is long, y'all. It really, really is long. So how would an artist such as yourself or just someone that is in your atmosphere land a major brand collab? Okay. So there's two parts to that. I, I wish I would have done more of this, and I think it's very effective. But just letting the brands know who you are. Pitching yourself to them. Mm. Um, I feel like pitching on an artist scale is um, like a a dead art, you know? Right. But it has a lot of power because right now brands, I feel like, are constantly looking for artists or content creators of any sort. Um, So even just introducing yourself and creating a one-page I was talking to my friend recently, and I told her, if you want to work with this brand, just create a one-pager, who you are, what your mission's about, your quick stats, and probably the, the top three posts that perform the best, and you just send it to that brand. It doesn't hurt just to be like, hi, I'm so-and-so, because you never know what that can ensue. You're absolutely right. And then the second one is to continue building what you want to see more in the world. I had a friend one time tell me, build it, and they will come. And so continue building that lane, continue building your craft, continue building upon who you want to be and what you want to see more of in the world. That is an infectious practice. People don't know what they want until they see it. And so it's our responsibility to create it. Add poet. Please add poet. That was so poetic. I love that. What's your relationship with manifestation? It's, it's major. Um, it, I don't know how to really put it into words without dabbing into spirituality, but it's a lot of spiritual work that I've done. Um, especially at the cusp, at the beginning of the pandemic, I really got rerooted into spirituality and my practice and understanding my ancestry. And that comes with understanding manifestation. It, it comes with understanding that you are not on your time. Mm, that's a um, good one. And so you always have to continue pushing until it is your time. And so, yeah, I have a really beautiful relationship with manifestation. I feel like we are one of the same, and we continue to break ground, and I'm very grateful for that kind of relationship. Indeed, indeed. And you've said that you manifested a relationship with Coachella Mm -hmm. for them to have you come and do an activation there. What was that like for you from the moment you thought it, you pulled it out of the ethos, and then when you opened your eyes and saw everything come to life? What was that like? Yeah, so with that, with the Coachella, that was with Instagram, and it just happened just to be with someone that believed in me. That that's an also a big part of wanting to land the collaborations you want to do is knowing the people that believe in you. There, there are so many people that I've got to work with, and it's simply because of relationship. They see me, and they, they value who I am, and we had a good relationship be- prior to even working together. And they saw my potential, and they decided that I would be perfect for that opportunity with Instagram during Coachella. 
And that was wild. That was. That was I saw photos and I was, again, blown away as I am still <laughs> right now sitting next to her. Now, you are such a light. I really believe that you're made of stardust. Thank you. And I really, really appreciate you coming here today to be with us on Select Conversation. Yeah, I appreciate you.